0: It's a place where we'll learn about each other and ourselves, dive into important issues that affect us, discover all that we have in common, and make some memories. So pour yourself a glass of bread and get comfortable. Every night is ladies' night, and we are women. I am so excited for tonight's episode, featuring my inspiring friend, Dara Kurtz. Dara was diagnosed with breast cancer at the age of 42, and this experience led to her rethinking choices and decisions she had made in her life. She ended up leaving her successful career as a personal banker and financial advisor to focus on writing, podcasting, and her blog, Crazy Perfect Life. During this interview, we spoke about Dara's most recent book called I Am My Mother's Daughter, where she shares her story and experiences regarding her relationships and lessons of life, particularly the close relationship she had with her own mother, who passed away from cancer when she was 28 and pregnant with her oldest daughter. Dara also talks about the beautiful and close relationships she now shares with her daughters. We spoke about the life lessons Dara's scare with cancer taught her, the true meaning of success in life, and how to let go of perfectionism and guilt. Dara's story is sure to inspire you, help you let go of pain and loss, and strengthen the bonds and relationships in your life.
1: I was actually an anxious child, but I didn't really know it until I got to be an adult and could look back and say, okay, that was anxiety because. I remember being in fourth grade and so scared to go to school and I would literally be in bed throwing up because I didn't want to go to school. And my parents would, we would go on a family walk around the block at like five in the morning when it was pitch dark to kind of help me relax before I went to school. And so, you know, we didn't talk about anxiety back in the day, but I was an anxious child and I was very focused on or being a perfectionist and performing and
0: pleasing people. Wow. I would never would have guessed, to be honest. No, really? you know. Yeah. You don't seem like, like even the way you write in your book, I Am My Mother's Daughter, the way you write, it's such, it, first of all, it's so heartfelt and warm and connecting. And I don't sense any extreme anxiety from the book, you know?
1: But you know why? It's because at this place and this season in my life, I have, I've done a lot of work on myself. And I've taken the time to kind of look back and I recognize that, you know, none of that stuff really matters. And I've given myself permission to not be perfect and to mess up. And if people don't like me, then that's okay. And so once you kind of acknowledge that and you let go of all that other stuff and you're willing to stand in your truth, whatever that is, it's freeing. But when I was a little girl, I didn't know how to do all of that instead i just wanted people to to like me and i wanted to please people and you know i wanted that check by my name and the gold star
0: yes totally so at what point did you start recognizing that you had to like let go of perfectionism and guilt so it
1: wasn't until i was 42 years old and at the time my kids were 11 and 14 and i literally out of the blue one day heard the words you have breast cancer and In that moment, my life completely changed, but I didn't didn't know it then. I didn't know like how much of my life was going to change because of that experience. I mean, of course I would never wish that on anyone and it was a really hard time for myself and for my family, but getting to the other side and I was very lucky, I found it relatively early, but I went through a lot of things, surgery and chemo and radiation and it was terrible. But after going through that, And getting to the other side, that's when I really realized, you know what, I'm going to live life on my own terms and I'm going to follow my own dreams and I'm going to figure out what those even are. And that's when I let go of some of the other things that had sort of been following me around like my shadow and really gave myself permission to figure out who I was and what I wanted to do with the rest of my life.
0: Right, right. So what did your life look like before you figured that out? Yeah, that's a great
1: question. I was a financial advisor. I did that for over 20 years. I was working part-time and I put that in quotation marks because, you know, I was still very, very driven. Um, And when you're a financial advisor, you sort of, you you have a group of clients and then it's very relationship driven. And so what that means is that after doing it for 20 years, I had a, a nice group of clients. And then it was just really hard to walk away from that because I even working part time, I was making a good amount of money and, um, I had a lot of flexibility and, and I did really kind of like what I did, but I, you know, I put on a, I put on a cute outfit, and I went out into the world, and I made it happen, and my kids were doing really well, and, you know, I had a cute husband, and we were busy, and we were socializing all the time, and, you know, life was just really hectic and busy, but I thought that's what a successful life looked like, you know, being really busy and hectic and running around from one thing to the next, and... After going through breast cancer, you know, that's when I realized, like, hey, I'm ready to live life on my own terms.
0: Yeah. Wow. It's it's so amazing how often, and I hear this from a lot of people, that something so huge and life threatening has to come to remind us of the importance of life. You are so right. I feel like
1: you're right. I hear from that from a lot of people as well. It's almost like when sometimes when I talk to people and you can kind of see like the light in them, I almost want to say like, you know, what was your big thing that happened? Because most of the time they're going to have a big thing that happened that changed the trajectory of their lives. And I think honestly, just kind of like realizing that life is very fragile and time is our most precious commodity. And we all get to choose what we want to do with our time. And deciding that you're going to live life you're going to define success for yourself and stop letting society tell you what that should look like and that's really what it was was for me
0: oh my gosh yes and it's so funny that you mentioned about um defining success by what others the way others define it because it's it's so it's it's easier said than done for sure because you know we live in a society people surround us and they impact the way that we think and the and things that we do Absolutely. And society
1: likes to measure things. And society likes to measure success by materialism how much money you have, the kind of car you drive, the size of your house, the size of your office. And those are the ways that we're sort of used to society telling us if someone is successful or not.
0: So true. So true. How were you able to, you know, let go of society standards and, you know, make it your own? So when I
1: was a little girl, one of the things that I always liked to do is I always liked like to write stories. And I always wanted to be a writer and I wanted to major in journalism. I wanted to you know, go down that path, but I was really encouraged to stay in the financial area. I majored in finance um, because I was encouraged to have a job where I would always be able to support myself. And I was taught that if I went down the journalism place i might not be able to support myself. And so after going through that, i just decided that i was going to listen to the little voice inside myself that said, you know, i want to be a writer. And so i gave myself permission to walk away from that other life that was viewed as being very successful and start from scratch and try to figure out how to do that and what that looks like and and i'll be honest, like I don't make nearly the amount of money that I made when I was a financial advisor. Um, I'm never going to make that kind of money, but it doesn't matter because I'm so much happier being this version of myself. Now, am I lucky? And do I have, you know, the support of my husband that allows me to sort of have that freedom? Yes. And I acknowledge that because he, as an attorney that maybe I have a little bit more freedom to kind of go down that path. But I also think that at the end of the day, I would have chosen personal happiness over the other because that's really what feeds our soul.
0: Right. It's true. And that's really what makes us successful because if you do what you love, you end up doing it well. Exactly. It's
1: so true. And it, it kind of, you know, if you're happy doing what you are what you're doing what you're meant to do you're going to attract people that want to work with you and we just never know how amazing our lives can be unless we give ourselves a space to sort of figure it out and you know I don't know all the amazing things that are going to happen I don't know you know I have a lot more books I want to write I don't know you know what that's going to look like but I know that if I don't try and if I wasn't on this path then it would never happen. And so after I went through breast cancer, I remember literally having this conversation with myself and saying, you know, if I go back to work, then nothing's really changed. Like I could go back and live that life that I had before, even though I know that that wasn't really what made me happy. And I felt like I wanted to change and do something different. Um, And so it's almost like it gave me the courage to do that.
0: Right. No, that makes sense. That makes total sense. Yeah. How did your relationships with your family change once you, you know, changed your mindset and started doing things that you loved for you? Yeah, that is such
1: a good question. And there's a lot of layers to it. So um, my husband was very resistant to me quitting my job. And that was something that we had to talk through a few times but I was like standing in my truth, right? Like I was like, I'm doing this and it just doesn't feel right for me to go back to work. I don't want to do it. It's not speaking to my heart anymore. And I'm trusting that everything's going to work out fine. And I don't know what that's going to look like. But um, after a while, he definitely is, he he totally supported me in, that, in making that decision. And he's one of my biggest cheerleaders. And um, I'm so grateful to that. It affected a lot of my relationships because not everyone was happy with the new Dara. Not everyone liked that version of me because sometimes I think I maybe reminded other people that they weren't the happiest version of themselves and they were doing something that they didn't wanna do. And so I noticed that sometimes people who weren't supportive of me, it really didn't have anything to do with me it had a lot to do with their decisions in terms of like the choices that they were making for themselves. And that was okay. I, you know, not everyone's going to like me and I'm finally in this season of my life, totally comfortable with that. But um, I would say with my, for my daughters recently, my youngest daughter, Avi, who's 18, we were doing an interview and she said something and I, I really liked it. And she said something like, I asked you a long time ago, mom, what do you want to do that you've never done? And this was before I even went through breast cancer. And I said, you know, one day, Avi, I really want to write a book. And then she said, mom, it makes me so happy to see you following your dream and having the courage to stop what you were doing and going after that. It's like such a lesson for me in terms of chasing my own dreams. And that was like the coolest full circle moment that happened recently, because, you know, our kids are paying attention to what we say to them, even when we think they're not. And so I don't even know how old she was when she asked me, like, what do I want to do? What is something that would really make me happy? And I just love that she remembered that. And then she kind of realized and that she sees me kind of going after my dreams. So, you know, I think some people really respect that and that's grown my relationships. And then I think other people don't like this version of me and that's okay.
0: Yeah, that's very interesting. So your husband, did, did he not want you to quit your job like because like financially or because he was worried about you, like how you would feel? You know what I mean?
1: Yeah. I mean, I think all the things I think, um, you know, he liked, look, he liked me making the amount of money I was making. And um I mean, he recognized that if I walked away from that, then maybe that would put a little bit more pressure on him. And so that was kind of a mindset that he had to recognize. Um But also, he knew he knows me and knew that I'm someone who does best when I'm like passionate about something and I have like a purpose in terms of like waking up every day and and having my own thing and I think there was a part of him that was sort of worried that you know maybe if Dara doesn't have anything maybe she'll be laser focused on you know what the fact that my shoes are everywhere or the fact that my you you know like
0: right right. that's what I was wondering yeah
1: yeah like maybe he just was kind of like not sure about what that would look like and how that would impact our
0: lives right it's so interesting because it really it's so subjective to like where you come from these sort of things because there are so many like there are so many families that just the husband works yeah. or just the wife works i guess a traditional family is really where the husband works the wife doesn't work so it's interesting to hear different perspectives of being nervous cuz the wife is not going to work like worried about what's going to happen yeah. with the family unit
1: it is true i mean i grew up watching my mom like she was a counselor, and she had her own nursery school, and then she started doing a lot of speaking, and she counseled the parents. And she had just gone out on her own when she got sick, and that was—that's a whole nother thing to talk about. But I watched her following her dreams. So, like, I always had a mom that was kind of passionate about something, and so I just assumed that that's—you know—that was my model, that was my role model of—you know—what what the mom figure did is the mom figure, you know, she worked and she kind of did her thing. Um, and so, yeah, it is interesting. I mean, we're product of our environment for sure.
0: Yeah. And the same thing, like even for, in regards to success, we're also a product of our environment.
1: Yeah. And that's, I think like one of the most important things that we can give to ourselves and our kids is just, the freedom to define success for themselves. And I even find myself saying this to my oldest daughter who's, she's a junior in college now, but you know, my definition of success might not be her definition for herself for success. And I don't want her spending her life chasing after my dreams for her. And so I try to be really aware of that. And you know, have those conversations because that's such a gift we can give to the people
0: that we love. That's so important. It's such an interesting concept that you brought up because I think we all see we see it often how very often um kids, especially kids in college, they're almost following like their parents' dreams. Absolutely. Yeah. As a parent, when you're aware of when you could possibly be like projecting your own feelings or dreams onto your child, that's so important because that helps your child be able to really develop their own dreams and be able to separate it themselves.
1: I see it a lot just in terms, even where like a, a, a high school senior is going to decide where to go to college. Like a lot of parents' self-esteem is wrapped up in the success of their kids. I mean, you see that on the Saturday or Sunday soccer field. You see it on, you know all the time, like, you know, my success as a person is not d- based on where, you know, how many goals my kids score or where my kids decide to go to college and, you know, blah, blah, blah. But I mean, there is a lot of silent competition in all of these different things. And I think it, a lot of it has to do with just a parent wanting to know like okay i got my kid into harvard which by the way neither one of my daughters goes to harvard but i'm saying <laughs> i'm saying like you know if someone might say like okay i got my kid into harvard check i must be a really good parent um but you know i don't that that just gets back to how we measure success like at the end of the day like i want my kids to be happy grounded kind humans who contribute to society that's success you know to me that that is successful. Um, and if they are happy, whatever that looks like for them, then I feel like, you know, maybe we didn't mess them up too much.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And how were you able to achieve that mindset of, you know, having your kid find their own happiness? I went through something really
1: hard and it caused me to completely change and rethink a lot of the concepts that I had always lived with. And so this might be a very different conversation if I had never gone through breast cancer. I mean, I might still be kind of like, Oh, well, I want my kids to do this and this and this, because I just see things so differently today than I did seven years ago. And, um, you know, that in itself is just such a, a gift that I received because of my experience.
0: Right. That's so special. Do you ever look at your friends or uh, like family members who have not gone through these major uh, life-changing events and kind of like want to like shake them and like, it's-
1: yeah, that's a really good question. Um, I'm actually not asked that question very often, but I love that you see that. Um, because the answer is a hell yes. Um, it's been it's hard sometimes because I see people that I love and really care about focus on things that I think are really insignificant, but at the same time, who am I to judge them? And so I almost kind of have to have a conversation with myself. Like, you know, if I don't want people to judge me and I don't want to feel like people are judging the decisions that I'm making, then who am I to judge them? And I feel like, you know, Everyone has to sort of figure out what happiness means for means for them and what they want to do with their time and how they want to spend their time. But with that said, I definitely have given myself permission to sort of maybe pull back from some friendships because we just don't have a lot in common anymore. And I recognize that not everyone is meant to stay in your life for all seasons. And that's th- that's something that I never really understood until I went through what I went
0: through. Right, right. I remember reading that in your book, actually. That definitely made an impression on me because I remember you writing that and I was thinking it's interesting because you don't necessarily have to agree with everything that your friends, you know, think or feel or whatever, but there definitely comes a point where if you can't relate to them and you can't like at least attempt to understand um, and if you're like, kind of like reaching for different things in like opposite directions, then it just doesn't, it just may not work anymore. It
1: doesn't. And you know what I've learned? It's like, whenever I walk away from a relationship for whatever reason, and I don't ever do it in a dramatic way. It's just kind of like, you know, we just sort of both sort of stop texting each other as much or, you know, blah, blah, blah. Cause I don't want any drama in my life. Like I don't need any of that. Um, but it it kind of opens up space for new friends to come in that maybe you have more in common with. And so I don't fear that, you know, like, oh no, if I'm not friends with this person, I'm not gonna have any friends. Like I just don't even, it doesn't, I don't even think that that lack place anymore, that fear surrounding it because the world is filled with like amazing, beautiful people. And if we're growing, And, um, we're kind of in a different space then we're going to attract people that have a lot in common with us, you know? And I love that. Like, I feel like, you know, you're a new friend and, and that's so fun. And, you know, for whatever reason, the universe brought us together and, and that's a blessing.
0: Totally is, totally is. And going, and you just reminded me of like going back to what we were talking about before we started recording about the energy that you bring attracts different things. When you come from a place of abundance, like you just said, that, like the word need is not, is not, a, is a, is really a negative word. It's not a positive word, right? Yeah. So when you come from a place of, I have everything that I, what's another word for need? Like I have everything. Yeah. You have, I have all that I want. Yes.
1: Um, I have. When you say, when you say like, I need, that's basically, you're saying that you don't have it. Right. So you're signaling to the universe, like I need this. And then you're saying basically, I don't have it. That's why I need it. But if you're saying like, I trust that the universe is on my side and all that I want is on its way to me. That's a whole different way to kind of say what you want to attract. Exactly. I love that. Yeah, It's, it's like an affirmation. I mean, it's actually you know, I have daily affirmations that I say to myself. And I mean, that's, and I change them every once in a while. Like if I feel like, oh, I'm ready for a new one. But um, I mean, right now, that is kind of one that I'm working with is I trust the universe is on my side and all that I want is on its way to me. But you can't just say it. You have to actually like really feel it. Like you have to embody it. Totally. Totally. Yeah. And that's when the magic really happens is when you really believe that. And that's when it can kind of, you know, it really attracts
0: that into your life. For sure. For sure. And yeah, I mean, and that's for not even relationships, but it's also for like we were saying before, like money career, when you feel happy with what you have, and you just feel positive, and you let out that you kind of when you release the limiting beliefs, and also any stress or negativity that goes along with something that gives room for the blessings to come in and for great things to really be attracted to.
1: Absolutely. I mean, the only people I think that like really can get in our own way is ourselves. Yes. And our limiting beliefs and us saying why we can't do something instead of saying like I can do whatever I want or yeah, I can I'm gonna write this book and of course I'm gonna get a publisher and of course it's gonna be amazing and it's gonna be, you know, so fun. And then I'm gonna do blah blah blah. Instead of saying like, oh no, what if I spend all this time writing this book? and nothing ever happened it's just like a completely different mindset and i i know for myself that i have been really good at getting in my own way for a long time and even now sometimes i'll get in my own way and you know that's just kind of recognizing those limiting thoughts and then knowing what to do to kind of help myself move through the thoughts because you know a thought is just a thought it doesn't have to have power over us it's only when we like lock in on that thought and we give it the power that it it can kind of take over
0: absolutely yeah that's so true instead of thinking let's say this doesn't work out or whatever think instead how can i make this work out or you know like how can this happen for me and I think that's where people struggle often because they end up think, going to like, oh, but what if it doesn't work out? Mm-hmm. Or what if this yeah. negative thing happens? And if you think, how can we make this work? Or like, what if we we succeed? What instead of saying, what if we fail? What if we succeed? What if we get this? What if we accomplish this? That really, and so like it affects your subconscious mind, which, which then helps your conscious mind actually succeed in whatever it is you're trying to succeed in.
1: Absolutely. I mean, our subconscious mind has so much power. And sometimes we have to like be intentional about rewriting some of the things that our subconscious mind. Look, my subconscious mind can be a really scary place to be. It can. (laughs) Um, You know, I was an anxious child. And sometimes I can have anxious thoughts. And, um, you know, COVID really kind of rocked my world a little bit, because I've had a health situation. And I don't want to ever do anything to tax my health. And so it kind of triggered a little bit for me in terms of like that fear. And I really saw that um, because of COVID. And maybe, you know, I probably wouldn't have seen that if we hadn't been through this. But it was also sort of like an opportunity for me to do some work on myself and, 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 and release that as well. You know, like try to figure out like, okay, where's this fear coming from? And how can I let it go and release it? and, um, and sometimes it's hard to do the work. It doesn't always feel good to you know, think about things that cause us to be uncomfortable or anxious, but we can't get to the other side if we don't go through the work
0: totally. Growth is uncomfortable. That's why,
1: exactly.
0: yeah, exercise doesn't necessarily feel good during the act itself. but after when you're stronger and you feel you just released all the toxins, that's when and you're you know, exactly. Yeah. 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 And speaking of, yeah, your relationships with people. So I would love to hear you talk a little bit about um your mother and what you learned from your experience that you, you wrote this in your book, um, which I loved reading about. It really reminds me of like your relationship with your mother and with your daughters reminds me of my relationship with my mother. And I think that's why we both love the book because we're very close. I think that's why we both really felt a connection with you and what you're writing and everything. I mean, even without the book, I felt the connection with you, but you know what I'm saying? <laughs>
1: I love that. I appreciate that so much. Um, So, my mom, I found out the weekend that I found out I was pregnant with my first child, my first daughter. Um, That same weekend, I found out that my mom had stage four cancer. And, you know, the bigger my belly got, the sicker my mom got. And a few weeks after I had my first daughter, Zoe, my mom passed away. And so, I found myself in this space of, you know, having so much happiness and joy at being a mom. And then just complete and total devastation at having lost my mom. I mean, she was my person. We talked every day and we were so close and, um, I just, I didn't really know what to do or how to navigate that. And I felt very alone in that because I didn't have a lot of friends who had been through that. It wasn't something that people really talked about. And this is over 21 years ago. so. I really got into this space where I just did everything I could possibly do to distract myself from thinking about my loss. And, you know, I think that's kind of when I dove into work, really. And um, I remember at the end of my that that year when my mom passed away, that that whole next year was my best year at work. I was like getting so many compliments on Jara. Oh my gosh, you had a baby and you lost your mom, and you're like, you know, producing so much and you're doing so well. We're so impressed. But really, what that meant was I was totally distracting myself from thinking about any of the pain and sadness. I was, I used um, work as a crutch, if you will. And, you know, instead of people congratulating me on that, they should have been like, Dara, maybe you need to go see a counselor, (laughs) you know, maybe you need to kind of check in with what's going on. But I just sort of got used to um, being in that space. And what happened was, I found a bag of letters in my house. And the letters were written to me mostly from my mom. And they were written to me the first time I went to sleepaway camp when I was nine years old until I graduated from college. And I found this bag about I would say it was the on um, the 20 years um since my mom had passed away I randomly rediscovered this bag in my in my house and when I opened the bag and started reading the letters from my mom I was blown away by how much wisdom they contained how relevant the words were I felt like I was having a conversation with her and I was able to get to know her better from my adult perspective because when she was writing the letters, a lot of times that's when she was raising her kids and that was me and my brother. And so it was like the biggest gift for me to be able to have those letters, but it also, it taught me so much about the importance of telling the people how you feel, how you feel about them and being positive and. Um, saying what you want to say to the people that you love and not holding back. But also, it really also showed me how much my mom valued life and living and how I had been stuck in grief for so long. I didn't even see it anymore. And so finally, I sat in this room, wrote that book, um, and sobbed most of the time when I was writing it.
0: I'm sure it was so I almost felt like I was intruding and reading your journal. You know what yeah. I mean? <laughs>
1: yeah, I mean, I don't, I didn't hold back. I mean, I think if you're gonna, if you're gonna take the time to read a book, I mean, it should be real and honest. And and so I made the commitment when I wrote that book that I was just gonna be completely honest and transparent. And I wasn't gonna hold back anymore because for so long I had pretended like I was fine. For 20 years, I pretended like I was fine. Even though the loss of my mom and the grief that was there, I was really not fine, but I didn't want to say that. I didn't want to say that, or I didn't want to let anyone know how heartbroken I was. And so finally, I like let go of that, the weight that I've been carrying of pretending that everything was okay and gave myself permission to say like, I'm not okay. And it's okay for me not to be okay.
0: Right. Yeah. Yeah. So you read the letters, okay? And then was that the point where you realized that you weren't okay, and you were kind of like in the rat race of work and just like do do do, like succeed achieve?
1: Yeah, no. So at that time, I had um, I had quit my job, and I had started my blog, Crazy Perfect Life, and I was doing a lot of speaking, and I was working on another project. I was working on another book, and then I found this bag of letters, and I completely just put that other project away and felt like there was a book here and started writing the book and then realized like how stuck in grief I had been for so long and recognized like how I didn't talk about it for a really long time and that's when I finally like started really understanding how because when I went through breast cancer it was so hard and devastating but There was also this other side of it where I had a lot of guilt because when my mom went through cancer, um, she passed away and my prognosis, I was dealing with breast cancer. She went through melanoma. There was just a whole, there was a lot there. And I didn't realize that a lot of the experience of my breast cancer journey, I was reliving a lot of what I had seen from when my mom was sick. And I didn't realize that until I started writing this book. Like I, I I never put that together ever until I started writing the book and really kind of tapped into a lot of what I had seen when she was sick and a lot of the guilt that I had felt for maybe not handling things the way that I thought I should have handled it, you know, and I put that in quotes because I did the best that I could. Um, And so it was a really healing experience for me personally. And I, I hope that people feel that
0: when they read the book. Definitely. I I think so, because I definitely felt it. When I first read like the summary, I was like, okay, it sounds like an interesting story and a cool, you know, there's definitely a great storyline here, great content, but like, how would this affect me? You know what I'm saying? And then yeah. when I read it, I was like, oh, okay, got it. Got it. It's just life lessons that could apply to anyone and it's almost the examples of the life lessons are told through your story yeah Um, yeah. so that was really cool um and such a great learning experience it was almost like an entertaining book but like with self-help stuff you know
1: (laughs) well you know and that other book that I was working on at the time was sort of a self-help book and what happened was I ended up like folding in a lot of that from that book into this book And it just sort of all came together and I, you know, I had no idea that it was gonna look the way it looks and I'm really proud of it. Like I, I love it so much. I mean, you know, how could I not, it's all about, you know, it's just, it's about my experience and, and I hope it helps people connect and grow their own relationships and recognize that it's never too late and that, um, you know, there's a lot of power in, telling the people that you love and care about how you feel and putting intention behind that. Absolutely. How to make the decision to connect more and and what that can look like and 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 how to do that.
0: Absolutely. Yes, yeah. so speaking of that, you wrote in your book about how it affected how the loss of your mother affected your relationship with your family. So, could you talk a little bit about that and and I think people could learn a lot from from this aspect of your story because a lot of people go through this when they go through loss. Yeah. Um, so when I went back to work
1: and my mom had just passed away and I had a new baby, um, I was really angry and I transferred that anger to my husband because he was my safe person. And so Um, yeah, I mean, I felt like life had dealt me and my family a really bad hand and I felt like, um, you know, why did this happen to us? And I transferred all of that anger and sadness to my husband. And so we were, we were fighting, we were arguing. Um, and then we finally went to counseling and that was really, really helpful. Um. But I think that that's a very common part of the grief process is, you know, there's a lot of different stages of grief, but anger is definitely one of them. Um, But just, you know, giving yourself permission to kind of feel all the feels, but there's a much more constructive way to go through the grieving process. And at the time, I was just sort of pretending like everything was fine. And so I didn't see any of it.
0: Right. 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 It's true. And I think that that happens to a lot of people when they go through major trauma, also, you know, yeah. if it's any sort of trauma. They kind of release that trauma on their friends or take it out on their friends and families, like people who are close to them, really. That's who it affects. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, it's interesting because you talk about acceptance of the past to claim your future. And that's really what you've been discussing, like, I feel like if you had to sum up your story, that would almost be the way to sum it up.
1: A hundred percent. And I love that you said that because for me personally, until I realized that I needed to accept what had happened, I needed to accept the fact that my mom passed away and there was nothing I could do about it. I needed to accept the fact that I went through breast cancer and there was nothing I could do about it. Until I gave myself permission to see that and to accept that, I would not be able to move forward and live the best version of my, and be the best version of myself or make the most of every day of my life because I was still trying to change those things instead of accepting them. It's really the biggest gift you can give yourself. Like for anyone who's listening to this podcast right now, if there's something in your life that happened, and you are trying to change what can't be changed. Recognizing that and accepting it is the biggest gift that you can give
0: yourself. So true. Acceptance is number one with anything, really. With anything, it's just accepting the circumstances that you've been given, accepting, you know, the way you look, really, accepting like yeah, things no, that you that have. Yeah. And, you know,
1: That doesn't mean that you have to like everything that you accept, you know, or it doesn't mean that you have to say, okay, I'm just tossing in the towel. Um, You know, you can do things to help yourself or to try to make the situation more appealing in terms of the way you want things to be. But for me, I really had trouble accepting the fact that my mom had passed away. And again, you know, I I can't bring her back. And, and so until I was willing to see that and recognize that, I, I cost myself a lot of really hard, sad moments.
0: Sure. Yeah. Okay. I want to end off with, because I know you're like, so this is your thing of daily self-care practices to help you stay grounded, that there's intangible ideas that could help our listeners.
1: Yeah. So, um, you know, first I'll say self-care is kind of a buzzword, but for me, it's just really, it's not even about that. It's just literally about daily things that I can do to stay grounded and to show up every day and be the best version of myself, because I'm going to be a happier version and a lot more likely to achieve and accomplish my dreams if I feel good. Um, so, you know, we could talk about this forever, but, Here are some of my favorites. Um, So meditation, I never meditated before I went through breast cancer. And after that, I literally was in the space of, oh my gosh, like now what? I have no idea how to make peace with this. And so that's when I started meditating. And for me personally, that is a game changer. Um, I try to meditate as much as possible, at least once a day. And even if you, even if you do it for three to five minutes, that's, that's, great, you know, figure out what works for you, but I can't say enough about it. Um, I try to eat as cleanly as possible. And for me, that's, I'm not on any, do any fad diets. Like I just wanna eat as much clean fruits and vegetables as possible, grains, organic meat. Yes, I do eat meat. Um, I eat dark chocolate every day. I'm never gonna stop. I love it. Um, But you know, I just, I wanna not feed my body a bunch of junk. I exercise almost every day. I learned that I really like walking in the woods. I love being outside in nature. I remember before I went through all this, I would do like P90X or, you know, I would run on a treadmill because I was like, okay, I have to run to burn this number of calories. And now I just like don't even care about that. I just want to get outside and be in the woods and walk and Connect with nature, and that is such a important part of my day. I also do weight, lift weights a couple times a week, and practice Kundalini yoga, and that's been a huge thing for me. Um, it's a type of yoga, but it's where you kind of move energy. And again, like I'm someone who can get anxious, you know, that anxious little Dara can show up sometimes, and so um, Kundalini really helps me stay grounded. I try to take an Epsom salts bath or a hot shower every night before I go to bed. I give myself time to kind of unwind. I like to read positive, inspirational things. I write my journal every single day. Um, I go to a counselor, which I think everyone should do. Um, You know, there's so many different things that we can do to help ourselves feel good. So I would say just figure out what, what helps you feel good. As long as it's something that is good for your body, then do more of it. But, you know, if you're doing things that feel good that are maybe you're using as a crutch, like maybe numbing out on, you know, social media or Netflix or using, you know, substances to kind of numb out, then maybe there's another way that you can help yourself really kind of get through what it is that's causing you to feel that and work through it to get to the other side.
0: Right. Yeah, those are great. Sure. Okay. So this is the question that I ask everyone. Oh, I what is <laughs> what is something that you hope that the next generation of women won't have to struggle with? Mm.
1: Okay. So what's coming to mind is I just hope that the next generation of women can just be true to themselves and you know, whatever that means, whatever that looks like, and each individual woman woman can just ask herself what that means for her. And then we can, as women, support one another as we each have the desire to stand in our truth. And sometimes as women, we aren't as user-friendly as we could be. You know, we don't support each other and success isn't finite. I can be successful and you can be successful. And there's, there's not a limited amount of success. And so, you know, I think if we support one another and we recognize that as each of us or the next generation is trying to figure out what that means for themselves, then I think that they're going to be a happier generation.
0: Right. Yeah. I love that for sure. It's so It's so important for us to be confident in who we are and then after like once once when you're confident who you are, then you're able to support other people, other women.
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And everyone wins. That's the thing. Right. Everyone wins when everyone plays nicely in the sandbox. (laughs) It's more fun.
0: Right. And I also love how you said that success isn't finite. Because it's such an important thing to remember that there's plenty to go around.
1: Yeah. And when we start to think that there's not, that's when fear wants to creep in. And so, you know, if you're starting to feel like someone else is successful and that's scaring you, that's just your fear getting in the way. And, you know, just remind yourself that they can be successful and I can be successful and we can support each other and we're all going to win in the end.
0: Right. Totally. Okay. So where can people find you if they want to learn more about you?
1: They could go to crazyperfectlife.com. That's my website. They can learn all about my book and my speaking and all the things. And they can also get five free gifts that they can receive when they purchase the book. And I'm also on social media, on Instagram at crazyperflife and on Facebook at crazyperfectlife
0: perfect thank you so much for joining me today dara it was such a pleasure having you
1: oh my gosh so much fun to spend time with you always you are a beautiful light in the world and i'm grateful that we are friends
0: thank you so are you i feel the same way that's all for tonight thanks so much for listening connect with us on instagram facebook and tiktok at Carmela cosmetics that's carmella with a k and on our website, karmelacosmetics.com. If there's a woman in your life whose story needs to be heard, send me a message to let me know who she is and why she means so much to you. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a review. We'd love to hear from you. We'd love to know your thoughts. We want you to feel heard.